Hey, it's Ben. I'm just wanting to give a few little heads up. We're getting into the home stretch on Heroes for the first series. So that's kind of exciting. On Heroes, there's going to be a discussion episode with the writer of Dead in the Water, Keith Cappell. And if you want to get some questions in for him about Dead in the Water or other things that he has written, because he has been on several different products in the FFG line, please definitely do. You can help out the show by getting in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, G+, letting other people know about the show. And every time we do, and every time you link to us, it means the world to us. You can leave reviews on Stitcher and iTunes, which help a huge amount in the visibility game. Finally, if you are able and want to, you can be like our latest patron, the Remora, at patreon.com slash Way. Thank you, and now on to the show. The crowd of beings holding a tight circle with limbs raised as they chant for blood. I jump out of the way as a dug before me takes a swipe with his foot, smiling with a winded sigh. I look to David for the signal to finally put down this dug. I'm somewhat distracted by the number of bets in my hand, and I look around the crowd once more for any more takers. Their widening eyes draw my attention back to the ring, and I see Ben sportingly take a blow across the chin. Now, what was that signal again? Oh, this could be a battered tale from the Hydean way. We're your hosts, David Pickering. And Ben Yendel. All right, well, we've been talking about a lot of different things on this show lately, but I have one today that's kind of near and dear to my Star Wars-y heart, and that is the street fighters, the brawlers, the melee combatants of Star Wars who are not assisted by magic force monk powers. The, you know, <laughs> the people who will sucker punch you in the gut and then run off with your blaster or the characters who are specifically geared towards perhaps a a more down-and-dirty kind of fighting, rather than the sort of elegant, overly choreographed Jedi lightsaber styles. These are the people that have decided in a universe full of guns and spaceships that they, without the aid of precognitive abilities, are going to punch you. (laughs) And usually they're pretty good at it. (laughs) Every time you take a look at Star Wars, people just sort of think of blasters and laser swords. Mm -hmm. That kind of is the thing. But then you take a look at, let's say, Jabba's detail. They've got those force pikes. You take a look at many of the other groups. Like, you take a look at the Magna Guards that are Grievous's personal droids. They've got those electrostaffs. Everyone's favorite stormtrooper that only got one line. (laughs) Exactly. You have Traitor. Now we have his weapon in one of the expansion books. It's awesome. The thing that I love about this is they hold their own in a fight. Yes. As much as any meleeist ever does in a gunfight. But here's the thing. If you make it close quarters, meleeists all of a sudden become huge. Yeah, melee is no slouch in this game. For at least one very kind of obvious reason. To be good at melee, to be good at brawl, you have to have a pretty high bronze strength. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the sort of flip side to it is you can deal a lot of hand-to-hand damage, but that also means you can soak a huge amount of damage. Yes. So someone with a brawn of four or five and then toss on like your soak plus one or plus two armor, all of a sudden these people are just not caring about you shooting at them. 
Yes. Oh, I have a soak of seven. Well, that stormtrooper detachment that shot at me, that got a single hit, that kind of tickled. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, and that's the other thing is that brawl characters are not, you know, like you don't frequently see Jedi characters running around with <laughs> armor that's going to soak, you know, as much. They, they don't tend to get the stuff that gives you a lot of extra soak on top of that. They're not running around in force field projecting Mandalorian battle plate or whatever. Simply because, you know, they're Jedi, they don't do that. <laughs> you know, there's the odd example of a Jedi who is doing that, and the Clone Wars show certainly has Jedi wearing armor, but even then, it's sort of more decoration than it is actually there to protect. Exactly. They use their lightsaber more for defense than they do otherwise. Yeah, I don't think I ever remember seeing a Jedi actually take a blaster bolt and then being like, oh yes, I'm glad I was wearing a weird vest. Because typically, if they were going to have something like that happen, they just have them block it with lightsaber because it looks cooler. <laughs> or they get shot in the back. Yes. <laughs> because vests only work in the front. Okay, so our own thing is no force wielders for this discussion. Because you can do so much with a force wielder that it kind of is its own discussion. So in this case, we're talking edge and age. Yes. Although we could give honorable mention to the Chirrut in ways of the galaxy who sort of use the force to go is Shaolin Monk on the world, but that's a topic for another time. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very fun another <laughs> topic of us talking about people who use the Force who aren't using Jedi skills. Mm -hmm. That was a Garden of the Wills, but as you say, topic for another day. <laughs> I first really came into knowing about just the cool capabilities of the system's melee leaders back in my first game of Edge of, well, it was Age of Rebellion, but I was playing at Edge of the Empire class that I ever played in. I GM'd before this point, but back when Mad Adventurers was still running, they did a Yelp game, which uh, Yelp was stood for yet another live play. We've mentioned it before, but it was a live play podcast, and they did different games each time. <laughs> and they did Star Wars Age of Rebellion, and I got tapped to play in it, which was cool. So I created my very first Edge of the Empire character because I didn't like the Age of Rebellion classes as much as the Edge of the Empire classes. So I got permission. I made a Chiss archaeologist, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting. He's going to be a guy who's very smart. I wanted him to be the guy that sort of was like, oh, I, well, I know exactly what we need to do because I happened to, you know, discover this on a dig. But I also wanted him to be hardy, right? Because I thought, oh, well, he's... I wasn't even really thinking of Indiana Jones. I was just more thinking of, of someone who will willingly subject themselves to months in the desert digging for pieces of someone's, like, pot that they had thousands of years ago. No, that does make sense. It ended up over the course of that game, over that campaign, that I discovered that the archaeologist tree has a lot of <laughs> talents that give him extra soak or extra wounds, extra bonuses to brawl. And I, I kind of ended up going that way just because we kept getting into scrapes where I couldn't get to a gun fast enough mm -hmm. to be helpful. And so by the end of the campaign, the wimpy little Chiss archaeologist was soaking as much damage as the Salonian Heavy was. And this is the thing about the archaeologist. You've got things where it makes melee checks where you can inflict a stunning blow, which does strain instead of doing wounds, which that's huge. I really want to combine that with a Politico, 
and make sort of a trash-talking street <laughs> brawler who will beat you up and then just so demoralize you that you're like, all right, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I, mean, I I looked down the tree, and eventually I was like, oh, well, somebody watched Indiana Jones and noticed how much this guy gets punched versus how much he's actually punching people. Well, and then having one of the few places where you can pick a pin, mm-hmm. where you make an opposed athletics check to immobilize an engaged opponent until the yes. end of the character's next turn, you just... Wrap your arms around them and, like, you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything other than maybe trying to punch me. Well, and the archaeologist, it's not going anywhere. and He's got <laughs> access to grit easily, so he gains extra strain. He gets toughened at second tier, so he's getting two wounds. He then later on gets durable, or actually same trees, second tier, he gets durable. So he's reducing his critical injuries. And then later on, he gets grit again, and he gets enduring, so he gets an extra point of soak. And enduring sort of the one. It's like, this person, especially if we're doing in the Street Fighter variant, probably has a four brawn. Then you've got the enduring. Then you've got at least one. But let's be honest here. It's going to be like one soak plus one defense for armored clothing, or we're going all out getting laminate. Yeah. And you've got a soak of six, seven. That's... Still with just a brawl of four? Yeah. Well, and now it depends on your choices for the character, because obviously there are going to be players who think, I'm an archaeologist, I I can't think of a reason my archaeologist would wear laminate battle armor all over the place. No, exactly. Even if, let's just say, even if you take an average brawn, let's say your brawn, maybe you put one extra point in brawn, you got a brawn of three. By the end of this tree, you're going to have... Let's say, so you end up with four soak, which is where I was saying brawn four. You get four Mm. soak because you get the kind of auto-include heavy clothing. Maybe you start off with ten wounds and ten strain. So let's say you just start off with an average number of wounds and strain. If you go down this tree, you're very quickly going to end up with... So let's say you start with, let's just say, thirteen wounds, thirteen strain, soak of four, because you got the heavy clothing. Sure. Instantly, you can get another strain for five XP, which is almost just ridiculously good. So bang. There you go. You're up to fourteen strain. If you spend another 20 experience, or spend 15 experience points, you've spent 20 of your starting experience points, you pick up hard-headed, which makes it, when you're staggered or disoriented, you can perform an action, (laughs) you make a hard discipline check, and it removes the status. You're done. And every time you get hard-headed, it makes that easier. So you you just take that out, because you're going to get staggered or disoriented. The GM loves that, the flashbangs and all those. Oh, it's really, really fun, yeah. Yeah, and that's a five-point talent. So then it also immediately gives you access to Toughened, which gives you two extra wounds. So now you have to 15 wounds and 14 strain at character creation, pretty much. And let's not forget, with the Archaeologist, you do have as a five-point talent Mm well-rounded, which then allows you to take... One of the two melee skills as career skills, and then they just become career skills for you. <laughs> Which I, is, I think, a love that talent. And from a story reason, it's so easy to justify why an archaeologist would know some of these things. Like, oh, he loves to fence because he's, you know, studied these ancient dueling arts of people who used to fight with these, you know, crazy, complicated scimitars or something. There you go. He took it up as a hobby because he's a nerd. Archaeologists. <laughs> And this is one half of the tree. The other half is purely on the archaeologist side, or not purely, but a lot closer. Like, you've got things that make it a lot more of, okay, we're in this rough and tumble place, sure, but then we still have a job to do. Even Indiana Jones, (laughs) for all the time that he spends doing everything except archaeology, he still is a respected scientist. You know, he's, he's a professor, even if he doesn't actually do any teaching. Well, he does draw on chalkboards, I guess. Yeah, sometimes. Throughout the course of the movies, he still knows what things are. Like, he's clearly portrayed 
as being more knowledgeable about the kind of pseudo-archaeology of the Indiana Jones universe than other characters are. And not just sort of in a, they tell us, like, oh, he's an archaeologist, he knows more. But when, you know, push comes to shove, Indy makes his knowledge rolls. Like, the archaeologist kind of leads me into another of my own favorite that you just don't normally see, but you also, at least when the Edge of the Empire Court book came out, this was the second biggest meleeist I could find other, mm-hmm. after the Marauder. And it is the Wookiee Doctor. Because, well, the Doctor is disturbing when it gets into melee. <laughs> yes, you can absolutely make the Doctor from that Atlantis animated movie in this. The giant guy. <laughs> I just love the Doctor tree. Like, it on one half of it, you have the amazing talent set of STEM application where you're stabbing people with stim packs to increase their attributes and it just being this cool sort of weird doling out drugs yep. to your party so that, like, talk about a psychedelic-style character. That's this. Like, that you can also then heal them for extra wounds, like long-term care, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, sure, you can do that, but... Uh, really it's for <laughs> doing this stim application where it's like okay yeah i do a hard medical check target gets one strain and then one of their attributes goes up and if i get a triumph on this something else goes up exactly it's just phenomenal i, I always think of john noble's character from fringe he plays a doctor named walter <laughs> like he's very heavily into the fringe science so it's john noble's uh he plays this guy who was sort of very heavily involved in, like, the men who stare at goats kind of experiments in the 70s. <laughs> and so in the first couple episodes, like, he's just walking around and he's just sort of mixing up LSD in his lab. Or he's all too willing to say, like, oh, well, uh, you want to solve this? You want to you figure out what's going to happen? I know how to project your mind into the future. You just have to get into this hyperbaric isolation chamber and take an enormous amount of LSD. And that's... Almost exactly what this doctor is. You definitely could play the doctor as a pusher. Yeah. It's just one of those kind of fun things. But I also sort of take a look at the doctor as a fighter's cut man. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a person who's getting someone back into the ring and knows how to patch him up, especially, like, right now. But on top of that, they know on how to fight. It isn't just, oh, we're going to be patching someone up. They're putting the coagulants on the cuts and that sort of stuff. No, it's, okay, well, this guy's coming in with a high right hand. Get in under it and kind of coaching at the same time. Mm -hmm. So they know this other stuff of how to fight. Like, to me, that's where the fighter edge of the doctor comes in. You get these two talents for the doctor that are just so so near perfect for it you get one called pressure point which is uh, and i've talked about this kind of sort of recently you make a brawl check without a weapon and instead of dealing damage you may deal the equivalent in strain plus additional strain equal to ranks in medicine and this is a doctor ignoring soak yes it's absolutely just nasty and I mean, this is just sort of a side note, but this is why I'm always forever telling my players you will have more fun playing Star Wars if you don't play one of the obvious trees. <laughs> because the the cool talents, like, and, and maybe this is just my perspective, but if I'm a developer, you make the dedicated shooter, the sniper, like, you have to have the talents that are like, oh, well, this enables them oh, to yeah. be distinct snipers. 
And then you come along to the ones where it's not as obvious what makes that character cool. Like, oh, the doctor. You know, we can't just make the doctor <laughs> about stabbing people with health. You know, that's boring. And this isn't D&D. We don't have healing spells and other interesting <laughs> ways to do it. So how do we make the doctor fun? He's going to Vulcan nerve pinch you into oblivion. We're going to make it so that the doctor is going to be injecting their party with as many drugs as they have lying <laughs> around. So you've got pressure point, And then on top of that, you've got anatomy lessons, which is after making a successful attack, you may spend a destiny point to add damage equal to intellect to one hit. Again, they're doing medicine, which is an intellect based skill. So with this, Flip a destiny point, all of a sudden you've got an extra four or five points of damage. And that's and, you know, that's not irrespectable at all. And they have just bypassed Soak in doing this. Adding your medical ranks, <laughs> adding your intellect to your hit, plus you're not doing I'm assuming you're not doing that bad of a brawl check. So like mm-hmm. say you've got a success or two, you've got your brawn, however many successes, your ranks in medicine, plus your intellect. All as one hit, ignoring Soak. That has a reasonable chance of wiping out a rival, most likely also, or doing very significant string damage to a nemesis-level character. Or worse, very significant string damage to a Force user. <laughs> force users, they use strain so much. There's a virtual guarantee with using those two talents together, you can punch out a single stormtrooper, if not more. Yes. <laughs> Just don't bruise your knuckles on the laminate. The Doctor, especially the Wookiee Doctor, is sort of one of my favorites. Well, and I think the Doctor Tree even has the capability of being some... You don't even necessarily need a high brawn to do a lot of damage. You know, I, I think a Doctor with those talents, <laughs> even if they're brawn one, they're doing one damage by default when they punch somebody. Assuming they hit, yeah. Yeah, assuming they hit. they and, But they have an intellect of five, because that's, I mean, a lot of doctors mm-hmm. are going to bump that up, intellect of four or five. You know, you can match for damage the character <laughs> who doesn't have a lot of skill points in his, you know, his blaster skill, just by being a one brawn puncher. You know, you're not going to be a frontline fighter, but for nope. the inevitable flankers or, you know, the nasty trick your, your GM plays on you to suddenly get the doctor into a fist fight, all of a sudden, that doesn't seem so unbalanced. It can be a very fun character to play. I have come to really like the Doctor as a character type. Well, you know who else gets some nice melee bashing fun who you wouldn't necessarily think it is? Is the mechanic. (laughs) Speaking of Indiana Jones. (laughs) Ever wanted to make the mechanic that was eight feet tall and built like somebody stacked a brick wall inside his torso? Well, the mechanic has a tree for you. Absolutely. The mechanic is just fun for that. Right off the bat, right off the bat, the mechanic is getting toughened. And Brawl is a class skill. So right off the bat, there you go. Take Toughened and Brawl as a career skill, and you're set to go. Later on, they get access to Grit and another Toughened. And to to get both Toughens, that's 50 experience points to get both Toughens. That's pretty quick you can get to that. And then they get right after toughened again. They get hard headed and improved hard headed. Improved hard headed means when you are incapacitated. Yeah, it's not just stun. Yeah, when you strain out with that rank of hard headed, you now have to do. It's a daunting check. That's four purple. Mm-hmm. Just by going with this, it requires you to do a pretty nasty discipline check. But if you can make the check, you're back up. You have one strain. This is the class for the Wookiee player that's tired of getting stunned <laughs> out of the combat 
<laughs> this is the thing. It also has a, like, this is another one of those specializations that has enduring in it. So you're taking another rank of soak that's just free that gets added on on top of all armor, all brawn, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you don't have to do anything other than buy it to get access to it. It's just that easy. And then on top of it, for someone who's actually trying to fix up the party stuff, this is pretty good. Well, especially, you know, in the case of fixing up things while being shot at. <laughs> for a mechanic, like, from an actual mechanic side. But um, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm meaning, like, you've got redundant systems, contraption, and bad motivator. Like, three major signature things. And then on top of all of that, you've got hold together. With redundant systems, you're... Uh, essentially harvesting extra parts that, well, this thing doesn't really need. You've got bad motivator, which normally, every now and then it does fail, because it is still a hard check, but will then just cause one device to fail spontaneously. Mm -hmm. And contraption is, hey, look, I'm MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Combined, you can make a character who is both the savior of the party and the bane of every cool gadget that the villain brings. Okay, whereas the archaeologist was so very much encapsulated Indiana Jones, this really does encapsulate MacGyver. Mm -hmm. Because between contraption, redundant systems, and bad motivator, that's MacGyver. Yeah, you lock him in a room and he finds a you know a paper clip and some chewing gum and manages to somehow make a bazooka. Just because there are other things in there? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> now, I do kind of want to hit one more specialization that is not explicitly a fight based one, or not so much not one that you would expect to be a fighter, at least from the get-go, and that's the performer. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a colonist. On the other hand, this is the person who is impossible to hit. <laughs> sure, you have someone like the charmer who you can just talk your way out of getting hit. No, the performer is someone who, first off, is making it so that you really want to punch them, but... <laughs> You just can't. Yeah, you, like, he's the one that's dancing around your punches. He's He is float like a butterfly personified. It's one of those things where it's just, when you start using distracting behavior, making it so that people essentially just cannot land critical hits. As long as they're trying to punch you, and you do distracting behavior on them, they can't hit for pretty much anything, because they also need to be getting advantage while you're giving them like tooth or more threat like mm -hmm. it's it's really amazing yeah and i've seen it used to great effect i had a player who played as a twi'lek performer and he he took two vibro knives as his weapons <laughs> i don't think he ever got touched by anything well okay there there were times that he got hit by things but it was usually after <laughs> someone had done something to to make it so that he couldn't act as like they, you know, that's when the bad guys started breaking out the flashbangs where they don't have to hit him. They just throw it in the room and suddenly he can't see. Or I think there was one time where someone fired a blaster on his team in a room full of glitter stim dust and I just treated it like a concussion grenade. <laughs> that totally makes sense. It was funny because right after he said that, <laughs> the one guy in the, in the room who knew anything about glitter stim was like, no, wait! <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, he doesn't know. <laughs> He's going to do it. From a theme, yes, you absolutely can. And then you've got other things like the coordination dodge, which is like when you're targeted by a combat check, you may spend a destiny point 
to add a number of failures equal to your ranks and coordination to the check. Yes. <laughs> like, this is on top of anything else. On the other hand, if you have enough coordination, which, going by the character concept, you probably should, it's just going to be... Okay, here's like three failures that you have to beat plus the actual difficulty. Have fun. Exactly. It's, you're you're going to have a bad time. Then deceptive taunt. It's the classic, you just do something so to the point of, well, now they must try and kill you. Or at least punch you. This, this tree, I, I know that it's not exactly pure performer, but it always makes me think of the scene at the end of the first Guardians movie. Where Chris Pratt's just dancing around. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? I'm dancing. I'm distracting you. Then they shoot him with a giant weapon. Yeah, that's perfect. It's distracting behavior. (laughs) Well, and that's kind of the whole thing. It's like, okay, I have to attack you. I don't want to attack you because there's no point in me attacking you. Then these guys get a free go. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. As a performer, you can turn into this. And I was wrong before. It does have melee. It can be a good Street Fighter-y type very showy. I believe Cam once called it a sword dancer. I and that really does sum it up if you go with the you know the melee route. This is the sort of guy I mean even just from a character perspective, the sword is part of a performance. It's part of a dance. It's part of a fluid series of very graceful choreographed motions. And if you are in the way, then yeah, it's sharp too. <laughs> There's like this is so far just Edge. Edge of the Empire and there's two on the age side that just immediately jump out at me as really big meleeus. And, like, one's kind of the big brute that's just really able to take a huge amount of damage and kind of the age version of the Marauder. And we <laughs> absolutely are getting to the Marauder at some point today. <laughs> I've played it once, and it was kind of fun. It's... The Infiltrator. While structurally, I do kind of sort of have problems with the way it strings together because it's a string for the talent path. That being said, the <laughs> Infiltrator, give the Infiltrator a knife, a sword, a vibro weapon. Every single talent you go into this specialization, you're getting something new that is just going to cause whatever you're slicing up more pain. Yes, here is your D&D equivalent to the Double Daggers Rogue. At one end of the snake is frenzied attack. When making a melee or brawl attack, suffer strain up to ranks of frenzied attack and upgrade the attack by an equal amount. This is your true aim. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just took, okay, starting off, I've got one strain that I give off, but I just got a boost for that. There's two ranks of this in the specialization. That's... Just to start off with. So you're upgrading twice by spending two strain. Yeah. That's awesome. Then, as you're saying, this is a rogue. Classic rogue is a very dexterous, very cunning sort. So the second talent you get is soft spot. You can then flip a destiny point to add damage equal to your cunning to one hit. (sighs) Yeah. And it just goes on and on. When I think of infiltrators, I'm thinking, you know, your archetypes. (laughs) You got your splinter cell, your Sam Fisher, your... You're, what's, shoot, what's his name? (laughs) The Mission Impossible guy, Tom Cruise's character. Oh, Ethan Hunt. Yeah, Ethan Hunt, yes. This guy. And pretty much anybody you can imagine in the sort of spy, night vision goggles outfit, this is where you find that. And one of the biggest tropes of that is that they're going to be very deadly in close quarters because you don't see them until they're right up there anyway. That's another good point. It is one of those very much, it is what it is, 
but what it does is amazing. <laughs> when the spy book comes out, there's going to be other things that sort of pair with this well, but the infiltrator's pretty nice for doing a melee damage. This, As you're saying, they're the close-in brutal people. As I sort of teased before, there's the commando, which, as anyone listening to Heroes of the Hydean Way, you have the Mando Commando of <laughs> Matu. David, do you have anything to say about the commando? The commando is hilarious to me, because here <laughs> is the soldier class, which you think, oh, the soldier. This is the guy with the rifle. And then you look at the commando tree. There's nothing, nothing for guns. This, nope. is, this is a soldier whose literal job is to load up on armor, throw as much as he can wear onto himself, and then run screaming at the nearest guy with a knife in one hand and a brass knuckles set on his other hand. <laughs> this is B.A. Baracus. <laughs> and how. Okay, it does technically have a single, single thing that could be applied to shooting things, which is a five-point talent called Point Blank. Oh, yes. But the thing that comes after Point Blank is strong arm, where you throw grenades further. <laughs> You're throwing grenades anyway. This is the first place where I saw Armor Master. Yeah. It's not like Enduring, where you just get a plus one random soak. This is, you have to wear armor, but you get an extra soak out of it, which, that's pretty cool. Well, and yeah, I mean, this is your trench fighter. This is the guy <laughs> who wants to be right up in your face, and if he's using a gun... It's because he's just out of range to punch you, and that's coming because it's a pistol, and he's going to toss it as soon as he gets close to you. Or he's just going to flip it around and start hitting you with the back of it. This is the one that improved armor master is pretty fun, where it's if you have, like, laminate armor, you've got three soak, and then also, and just extra set of defense. The thing that I absolutely love is the sort of crowning achievement on this character is unstoppable. <laughs> and this is before you get into the silly things like where they're nigh impossible to kill with their signature abilities. If a critical injury is one or reduced to one, you do not receive the critical injury. That's cool. It comes with two ranks of durable, which, as David mentioned, reduces the roll against you for crit. Yeah, and in order to get up into those higher ranks, remember, you've got to basically start stacking critical hits. So you get the critical, and then you need to, you know, you got to inflict one of the lower ones. Mm-hmm. And this is the talent that keeps that from happening. So you keep getting critically hit, and then you realize you've taken three critical hits, but you've never gotten one that actually applied because you just shrug it off. You're not winded. What are you talking about? You're not staggered. <laughs> what are you talking about? I have unstoppable. It turns a soldier into this truly unstoppable sort. And it's like the commando... For the age line is just, they're the trench fighter, you called it, with that. They're just amazing for it. And sort of to flip back to Edge, we've got the Marauder. Yeah, the berserker of Star Wars that isn't a Wookiee. Or is a Wookiee. <laughs> you double down yeah. on it. <laughs> or it's a Trandoshan, which then they don't really care if they lose limbs. They just grow <laughs> exactly. back. It's the closest thing to playing as the alien from Alien you'll get in Star Wars. Uh, yeah. Unless you build a weird droid. I've had a Marauder in one of my games, and this was the character that I just decided, all right, I'm going to send the low-grade auto-fire weapons to shoot at them. Why? They're not going to be able to get through their soak. 
Pretty much. I mean, you've got to put a serious amount of hurt before one of these guys is even going to feel it. Like, it does have an enduring, so you do get the plus one soak, but these are the people, by right, who are going to be stacking brawn. Yeah. Because that's what they do. They are a melee fighter. They are the strength melee fighter. Yeah, they're not even really brawlers. Like, they can do it, but <laughs> this is the guy who wants the chopper. He wants the axe. He wants the, <laughs> the vibro doom machine. This is also the person who's going to be picking up the chair and smashing you with it, then yeah. picking up the table that it was around and smashing you with the table. Yeah, basically. He doesn't pull his punches. <laughs> no. He doesn't have any regrets about that. <laughs> Again, frenzied attack, feral strength, which is add one damage per rank to one hit of a successful melee or brawl attack. You got, like, at least three of those on the tree. They do damage. It's a little bit disgusting. <laughs> well. In a good way. It's one of those ones where it is so much, this is what they do. And they're the best at what they do. This is your Logan. That's actually a really good way of putting it. He doesn't stop. He's got a bunch of knives. He's yelling the whole time. Then sort of the cherry on top, you're able to, once per round, as a maneuver, suffer a number of strain up to the ranks of defensive stance to upgrade difficulty of all incoming melee attacks by an equal number for the next round. Yeah, and that's, I mean, flavor-wise, that's not this guy dancing around dodging things. This is not float like a butterfly. This is sting like a bee, and if you don't like it, then get out of the way, because you're not stopping him. In many ways, I look at this as sort of the first pass at doing parry. Yeah. Like, if there ever was something where it was, like, improved or supreme parry, that's this. You just start upgrading the number of attacks going against you. Like, it's just disturbing like okay yeah i'm upgrading it once because this is at the top of the tree i'm essentially starting to bat away things mm -hmm. really fun it's fun to put this on a villain too <laughs> to take this talent and put it on a villain because then even from like a fluff perspective it's not just like oh yeah you didn't hit him it's sort of like he casually flicked that away he contemptuously blocked that one well uh, and that's the thing is like yeah, this being sort of the strength uh, version of the fighter. Like, this is sort of one of the pinnacle fighter specializations. This is your quintessential guy who's really good with his weapon, but not from sort of like, he's not like a samurai or a ninja where it's sort of like, you know, he's trained with it for years and he has some kind of spiritual connection to it. No, he's just hit a lot of people. Sort of as the flip side to that, you have a character like the martial artist, which is probably the most unique specialization I've seen come out of the Edge line recently. This is one where it sort of has two sides. One where it is defensive, where it is the only one to have parry outside of Force and Destiny currently. And it has a talent that allows unarmed parry. Yes. Ever wanted to catch that sword between your hands, like in the movies? Now you can. It has reactive talents. It is a martial artist. It's there to make unarmed attacking to be very interesting and very impressive and keeping up with damage of people like with vibro swords who have pierce and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. They do have the ability to reduce the amount of advantage you need to critical a hit, which is huge on its own. Then... On top of that, they have Precision Strike. Like, it starts off with something simple, like suffer one strain to change the result to any easy critical injury. So, like, 40 or less, I think. Yep. All right, that's pretty cool. Well, improved is suffer two strain to change the result to any average. 
And this is where it starts getting into the interesting ones, and also where you can get into uh, a variant of Flurry of Blows, because this is the wonderful 76 to 80 critical of Overpowered, where you can then do a second hit with the exact same dice pool. Yes. <laughs> Stack that with some of your existing talents, and it's just, just disgusting. If you're not wanting to, like, have this fight go on for too much longer, like, this is a 25-point talent, and you have to go through a bunch of stuff to get it, but suffers three strain, and it's any of the hard criticals. So this is the one where it's like, you're maiming them, you're doing so much stuff, you're doing silly amounts of damage to them, and you're taking them out of the fight now, instead of later. Yeah, you're not messing around anymore, he needs to be down, and he needs to be immobilized right now. The hard ones are just where people aren't dying yet, but that's when fights stop pretty quick. That is where people get maimed, that is where people get blinded, things like that. Mm -hmm. Fights stop at that point. David. Yes. So far, I've kind of been going on about a lot of the mechanics behind these specializations. Mm -hmm. How do you turn some of this stuff into more characters? We've actually done a lot of that while we've been talking about it, but one of the things that I've thought about is Star Wars is a universe that's a lot more inherently maybe a little bit more moral-driven than a lot of other fictional universes. Like, Star Wars is very clear good guys and bad guys, and, and you know, there's, there is gray areas in Star Wars. We've seen that with Rogue One, but overall and in general, the line is, at least in the movies, fairly well divided. You might not want to kill people with your character. Your character may find that outright murdering scads of people just because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time isn't in their nature, and in that case, making these characters are a great way to have a guy who, yeah, if you're going to shoot at me, I'm going to hit you, but that doesn't mean you're dead. That just means that I have a big wrench and you have a very large lump on your head. So you can easily make sort of a much more conscientious sort of character. Maybe not a pacifist, obviously, but sort of like a, you know, they're not a killer. And that's not something that a lot of RPGs can allow you to create, because most ways of doing non-lethal damage are convoluted at best. And having a character who always shoots his gun on stun is a little bit weird to me. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There are more fun ways to do that. And with these different specializations, one of the things that you could do is, for an edge campaign, ooh, I have to toss this out to my Thursday night group, which is just reforming, toss out the idea of a underground fight club. <laughs> yeah you're allowed to take in weapons you're allowed to take in fists that's it like melee weapons anything else they shoot you have fun i like that idea and it, it sort of does bring about like it, it gives a feel to it because even in the real world like people recognize that a gun is not always the best way of fighting because it instantly takes things up to lethal or life-threatening scale. Now, that's actually a really good point, is that being a brawler, you're not... And on the other hand, you could have that, you could go the opposite way and have a character who is a little bit more unhinged, if you will, and you want a character, you're playing an edge campaign, you want to make a guy who's obviously a criminal, they just really prefer to be, to feel it, to, to have that visceral impact of, you know, knuckles on bone. That's their preferred style of fighting. Mm-hmm. That's a nice way of putting it. I like the idea of a brawler, someone who's able to go in and actually physically move around and actually be good in a combat, where it isn't just a abstracted thing. They can keep up to the pistoliers. I mean, Star Wars is one of those universes. It's like, yes, there are guns, but 
there's enough of a fantasy element to it that it's not as instant death as it is in the real world to run out and try and punch someone shooting at you. Even if you're willing to have high verisimilitude, there are many instances where you can just get in close and punch people. Yeah, I mean, even in the real world, people say it's better to have a knife up close than any kind of gun. You brought up cheer. Well, I, the character I'm, I then saw like two months later was the Donnie Yen character in Triple X, <laughs> The Return of Xander Cage. I have not seen that movie, but I've heard that it is something of a glorious cheese fest. Okay, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It is a <laughs> giant cheese fest because, well, it's a giant cheese fest. Donnie Yen is there able to fight, and he just goes through people. It's so very showy. It's it's like watching any Jackie Chan movie. Mm-hmm. I remember a ancient discussion, debate, I guess. An ancient debate that I and a bunch of people had right around the time Jet Li was getting big was Jackie Chan is showy, able to put on a really fun and engaging fight in a scene. Jet Li looks like he's attempting not to kill someone every time he punches. Those are two very different styles of fighting, and it comes up in how you want your character to be. Whether you want to be the goofball or whether you want to be the strategic, I'm going to punch you. There are so many different styles of martial art. There's so many different styles of just, you've got your brawlers, you've got your martial artists, you've got your commandos, you've got your your street brawlers, you've got your combatants of opportunity. Like, you know, just, well, there's a bottle here. I guess I'll hit you with that because that's all I've got. (laughs) Oh, I love that style of character. Oh, one that I know several listeners and at least one hero is going to give me hack over if I don't mention. <laughs> Elliot from the Leverage series. Yes. They're their hitter. There's specific sets and Elliot is the hitter. And this is a person who will walk into a trap. A trap where they have been pulled down on by five people with pistols, two people actually coming up in close, and they will walk out. Or another scene was... Going in, the guy is sipping tea, and he is being threatened by this crime boss. And everyone's sort of unsafetying their guns, aiming at him. Cut away, cut back in. Finishing off the cup of tea, walking up with what he stepped into the room to get. <laughs> exactly. I remember that scene. I guess for me, it's, you can have fun with it. Like, yeah, between Christian Kane and Jackie Chan, I look to my fighters to be having fun. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what drew me to the Donnie Yen role in Triple X. Just because he was having a blast doing it. Like, a smile never left his face. Well, that's the thing is, I think it may be some, something that resonates with us. Because it's hard to make gunplay funny, really, unless you have a little bit of a dark sense of humor. Because, you know, it's not a slapstick. And, you know, melee combat, it's graceful. It's interesting to watch. You can do a lot with the choreography. And it's not as hard-edged, usually. Because it's not instantly lethal. Like, you can imagine the guy getting up and walking away from it, even if he's going, oh, in like a Three Stooges style. Like, it can be fun. It can be funny. It can be silly. Because ultimately, the consequences of it are not as immediately lethal as gunplay. Or knife play, even. Sort of my final reference for tonight is Daredevil on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Because there is a brawler. There is someone who just takes every hit that they have coming to them and still somehow keeps on going. They're the one who walks into a place where, yeah, they have 10 Russians that have a bunch of guns. If you're normally assaulting this, you would be dead. 
But no, this guy gets in close and punches them all out. This is someone who very strategically takes out people. And everyone that they take out is going to be in the hospital for months. Yeah, um, that fight scene was awesome in that episode. Actually, I liked the one they did in the second season, too. I haven't finished the second season, and now you're making me want to go back and do that. The stairwell fight? Yeah, the stairwell fight. David, Mm -hmm. a final thought for our listeners on having fighters, meleeus, you name it. I really love the up close and personal of Star Wars. It gets overshadowed, I think, a lot with, you know, all of the Jedi and the the leaping around and the Jango Fets and the backpacks and the lasers and all of that. But I just have a soft spot for the good old fashioned brawlers. <laughs> and I think this RPG especially gives a lot of fun options to them without sacrificing sort of the swords and lasers feel of the setting. The brawlers have not been forgotten by FFG. There's a lot of fun to be had if you're willing to get your fists dirty. One of the things that's sort of shown is take a look at any talent tree. There's probably something combat related to it. Some of it you might have to be sort of putting your thinking caps on for, like the slicer. Like, how does this actually turn into a combat thing? There's ways. But several of these ones where it looks like, yeah, we're just going to be sitting by the sidelines while the fighters go off and fight, have the ability to get in there and mix it up. And that, to me, that's awesome. Yeah, I I love it when there's no one left behind in the combat scenes, because let's face it, that's where people frequently do get left behind in RPGs. Like, you've got your people who are good in combat, and you've got your people who are good out of combat. And I think this system is one that really says, wait, why does it have to be one or the other? All this will be leading into the eventual episode of So What Do You Do When Your Fighter's Out of Combat? Get that Shadra fan off the chandelier, I bellowed, trying desperately to hold onto my betting slips as the ring descends into chaos. I don't know where Ben is, but I've got a handful of something's hair and I'm dragging it away from the worst of the melee. Pulling myself from under the indiscriminate dogpile, I brush myself off and look over at David, wondering why he has his hand on the head of a whippet. Where did that pork sitting on his head come from? Huh? Find out in the next tale from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at Deuterium Ice. I'm at AKA Agent Shades, and we're all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, where you can find more episodes and help us out by reading and reviewing us. Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash Way.